your promises are sure. Well, we've had some music already today. Forever blessed, thank you so much. Whitney leaned over me after that and said, that's just so pretty. <laughs> so pretty. Oh, walking in the garden. Ready to do some walking in the garden with Jesus to meet us right there? Lord, we give you our thanksgiving for your promises or sure because you will meet us there. If we go, if we go, you will meet us there. If we search for you, you will meet us there. And here we are this holiday week, this Thanksgiving, our first hymn said, gather us in. All kinds of us, gather us in. You know, all races, all classes, all identities, all orientations. All of us, gather us in. I don't know if you know, but this is the last Sunday Michael reminded us of Transgender Awareness Month. All kinds of us, gather us in. You know? And it's also the last Sunday of Native American, if you choose to call it that, or American Indian, depending on who you ask, Awareness Month. Because you know you need to ask. Don't just assume, you need to ask. What do you want to be called? Okay? So whichever one of those, it's the end of that month too. So today we lift up for you a combination of those two. The two spirit people in the sidebar, the prayer we did. Before the colonizers came to this country, there existed more than two poles of male and female. There existed a broad expanse of sexuality and identity. Within the tribes, you can read all the different names in there, what each tribe call this third gender person that was among them. This person that was neither all male or all female, but was more than either, was both was integrated in a way that the people respected them and would look to them for wisdom, would look to them for healing, because they thought if they just come from the male part, they don't got enough wisdom. They just come from the female part, they don't got enough wisdom. You know? But this combination, this willingness to exist between genders and create a new thing was something that they saw as holy. And so on this land before the colonizers arrived, there was a broad expanse of what gender meant. And that combination was seen as wisdom and as holy. And oftentimes these people were healers. Not all of them. Some of them were women who dressed up as soldiers and went off to war. Some of them were men who dressed up as women and cooked. So it wasn't just one kind of gender variance. It was a broad variety of gender variances. And gather us in. The hymn said today, gather us all in from all our traditions. And we want to remember that tradition specifically this day because we know on Thanksgiving when we celebrate coming to this country and being colonizers that we also need to bring in the native people who were here, the American Indian folk who were here, the people who've been hurt by that same action. So today we welcome all gather us in. I don't even know if you recognize it when they came up. Uh, Van had to tell me to because I'm not this creative, but he said, red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in God's sight. All of us gather us in. Gather us in for this holiday time. Boy, can holiday times be something else, don't you know? Oh my, let's go home, right? <laughs> Yay, let's go home. Some of us are excited and some of us not so excited. Let the hunger games begin. 
You know, you all know that movie that's out now? It's second installment. Uh, it's a book written for seventh graders about, uh, which means I read all three of them. <laughs> when your head is so full of stuff and ideas and all that, you need about seventh grade reading material for recreation. And it was a fun, fast read as I went through those pieces. And as I did, I just saw some, so much in it that's just like us today. And for you who don't know the story, people put forward their children in a lottery from different regions of this country to be taken up and to be put into a coliseum where then they fight one another to the death. And the child that wins out of this coliseum earns more food for her people or for his people. And so the whole thing is based around scarcity and it's based around fear. Fear that you'll get picked in the lottery. Fear that your region won't win, which means you won't have enough food. And so the whole scenario within the book is based on that there's not enough, that things are too scarce, which we know in our world and actually in this world is a lie because there is enough. It's just not getting everywhere it needs to go, but there is enough. We need to help it get where it needs to go. So in the book, The Hunger Games, Katniss, this one in the middle here, she's the hero. At the end of all three books, and this is a spoiler, but not too much of one, she changes the system. That's what heroes do. They change the system so that things can go where they need to go and not just be hoarded by a few. And in the process of this book, there's this little subplot that I love. There's a little love story that they don't really highlight too much between her and the guy on the right. His name's Peta. And there's a story from her childhood that ends up making this the love story. When she was hungry because of the scarcity that's going on and her father had died and her mother had gone into deep depression and couldn't get out of bed. So Katniss is the provider, 10-year-old girl provider for the family because of what's happening in the family. And so she ends up not being able to catch any, um, with her bow and arrow, any game. And so she ends up begging. She goes begging in the town from place to place, and she goes to the baker's shop. And at the baker's shop, she is turned away because she has no coin in which to purchase any bread. And though she's hungry and her family's starving, they do not receive. So she goes around the back of the shop, and she's by a tree, and she's crying. She doesn't know what to do. She knows she has to do something. And floating through the air, landing in front of her, is a burnt loaf of bread right at her feet. Burnt, but edible. Something that they can survive on. And she turns back up and looks at the porch, and there's the boy from the shop. His name's Peta, this boy, who she doesn't know very well, but he's in her class. And he has burnt the bread on purpose, because then it would be thrown out. So he took the time to make sure the bread cooked too long. And so she's there picking up the burnt piece of bread as she hears him getting scolded and whipped in the kitchen for not paying attention to his job. Boy, if we lived with rules of scarcity, some of us take risks to help others out. And if we believe those rules, if we believe those rules, then we live within these structures that just harm everyone. The ones who need to eat, they even harm the ones that have too much because they never get to the place of knowing that they have a soul that's deeper than the food. You come today with a hungry heart, 
Hungry for something more? Hungry for something you find here at this table that you may not get out there? The Hunger Games is not just a fictional account. In our world, we have some of the same challenges they do. Maybe not as visual as it is on the big movie screen, but it is a challenge for us to make sure that everyone has enough for the hungry. I don't know where you're going to go for Thanksgiving this year, what your relationship to food will be during that time. You know, how overflowing the table is going to be. You know, I know I'll be here, Walter and I will be here over in the activities building at 11 o'clock with turkey and all the fixings for both our resurrection members who come and participate and for members of the food pantry who will come and eat with us on that day. We'll have enough. We'll have more than enough. There'll be crumbs overflowing onto the table. And I don't know where you'll be going and what kind of family you're walking into. If you believe the movies that come out this time of year, everyone's family is dysfunctional, right? <laughs> Everybody's family. You know, some of those movies may give you heart and say, my family's not that bad. <laughs> Others, you may say, you know, it took to like the third scene till they had drunk people in that. My people show up that way. <laughs> you know? For us folks who've had interesting relationships with our families from time to time, you know, hunger games may feel like going home where there's some sense of scarcity, where there's not enough love to go around, or someone else gets more love than someone else, or there's not enough crumbs to feed everyone, even though the table is overflowing. Some of us go to different homes. Sometimes one partner goes home and one partner stays here. I don't know if you're in any of those situations this week, but my heart goes out to you, and that hungry heart you have is going to be filled in that garden with Christ's love. Know, too, that you're not alone in that. I always prize the story of this one gay couple whose mom said, well, you can come home, we want to see you, but we don't want to see him. You know, and he said right back into the phone to mom, he said, you know what, we're both coming home, and we're going to be on that porch, and we're going to be knocking on the door, and you're going to have to figure out what that means you're going to do, mom. She let them in. You know, sometimes we take those restrictions too clearly and help ourselves enforce them when what we need to do is challenge them because there is enough to go around. So wherever you will be this season, whatever your holiday will be, far away, nearby, on your own, come up here if you're on your own, or with others, know that we put so much energy and pressure on it that it's got to be so perfect that it'll never fill up whatever the emptiness is within us. We can eat another couple of pounds of turkey, right? Not going to make us full if it's what we're looking for is the bread of life. Whatever emptiness you have this day, whatever longing, whatever aching in your heart, whatever sense of you, that you are searching for to be complete, Oh, we know ways we try to do that. We know ways we try to do that. More alcohol, more sex, more solitaire, <laughs> whatever it is for you. You know ways that we do that. More eating. You know, they don't satisfy because it's not our stomach that's hungry. It's our heart. And it's the heart that longs for God. 
that's looking for that satisfaction. That's what the hungry heart, where it is healed. And that's where these other hungers fade away. In good time, with good help, with God, we can conquer those other longings and aches that take away from us. Some are less self-destructive, some are even rewarded. Overworking, it's rewarded, rewarding, might make more money, but it doesn't fill that emptiness still. That's meant for God, it's meant for our faith. So Jesus has a big Thanksgiving table. Jesus is gathering all of us in. When the disciples are meeting him in the story today and the people are asking these questions, he's just fed 5,000 people with the miracle of bread and fish, just fed 5,000 people. Then he goes to the other side of the lake, so they run around to find him. And they ask the question this way, they say, where are, where, when did you get here, Jesus? And that may sound like an interesting question to us, not too big, but what it meant in that day and time was, prove yourself to us, Jesus. It was more like, who's your daddy? That's what the question was. Because later they talk about, isn't he born of Joseph? Right in the next part of this chapter. So they, the bread wasn't enough. The bread wasn't enough. They ran around to find him again. And he says, I know you're not looking for the real thing. You're just full. And you want to get full again. You're just here after some more of that good food. And I would have something more for you. Don't you love the way Jesus does that? I would have something more for you. If you'd only ask for the bread of life, I would give it to you. Well, like anyone who's looking for something, they said, well, give it to us right now. Without us doing anything. Just give it to us. Pour it on us. Let it be a part of our lives. And we may not even know it's there. Isn't that the truth of it? God has poured out God's love on us already, and we may not even know that it's there or believe that it is. So in this story, Jesus is responding to them, you just want more food. Don't you know there's something more for you? Don't you know there's something more? Have you ever felt empty before? Maybe hungry, but empty? Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and gone and looked in that refrigerator? Searching like the answer is right in there, right in that bluebell ice cream. <laughs> Have you ever finished that whole container of bluebell ice cream and stopped looking in there? There's got to be something else. Because the emptiness you were looking to fill wasn't completed with that. I've done that. I've done it in the middle of the day. I've done it in the afternoon. I've done it after I've finished a big meal. Don't look in that refrigerator because the refrigerator has the answers that are right there. Well, I'm not saying any of this to diminish any of us that have challenges with eating. Whether we eat too much or whether we eat too little, or whether we're trying to make our body be whatever society says it's supposed to be. Because part of that is just trying to fill emptiness too. One side or the other side. But don't you know that emptiness within us, however we try to fill it, can't be filled by any of those things other than Jesus coming to that table and letting God's love fill us up. Letting God's love fill us up. But I hope you don't starve yourself. And I hope you don't hurt yourself by eating too much. What I want you to know is that God says, 
your body is okay right the way your body is, and I love you, and it's going to be okay and fine and good tomorrow and the next day too. Why don't you love it as much as I do? Why don't you love that body just as much as I do? Because I see you and you're precious, God says to you. So looking in that refrigerator, ask yourself, what is empty in me? Whatever you do to numb that space, whatever you do to avoid that space, whenever you find yourself going to that, going to that, whatever that is, ask yourself, what is empty within me? And maybe ask God to come in right at that moment and say, God, help me. Something's empty. I don't even know the name. I don't even have the language. Come with me. Now, help me. Help me be full. I used to work at an organization that had a feeding program. And we would feed people daily, particularly those whose families couldn't take care of them during the day, and they had dementia due to HIV and AIDS. And so when you went to that program, you had to check in your loved one so you'd, they would know that there was someone responsible for them there. And there was a lovely host there. Her name was Coco. And Coco would smile and greet you. She was also one of the patrons of the program. She received food there, and she received services there. And she had a great spirit, and she was always at that desk just helping people as much as she could. And then she was going getting her own food and being a part of the whole thing. And when I met her, she came up to me and said, oh, you're the new guy. She came over to me and said, well, I'm Coco, and you're going to remember because it's the color of my beautiful skin right here. Look at this. It's Coco. Okay, so I'm Coco. So this is who I am. And so she would just be over-the-top fun while she was there helping other people find food. This is where she found food. So she brought them to that place. And Coco was a person of faith. And when she became ill with HIV, I went to find her in 12 Oaks Hospital. And I climbed in the elevator and went up to the usual floor and wandered around, wandered around, wandered around. And there was no room for Coco McNeil. So my heart sank. And I thought, if something happened to her. And I went around again and asked and looked. And then when I was about to give up, I heard her laughing. I heard Coco laughing, so I found the room that she was in, and I went and I found her, and on the door of the room it said, Leroy Brown. <laughs> Leroy Brown. And so I poke my head through the door, and I say, Coco? And she goes, Pastor? And, she said, and I go, what's this on your door? And she says, you know, they don't respect me at all. <laughs> I knew who I am, but they do not. I know who I am, but they do not. And so we went, and we visited, and we prayed. And in one of the prayers, I was uh, praying for her healing and returning to us at the food program. And uh, I stumbled over a pronoun. Coco had been in the hospital long enough that she had not been able to keep up her hormones. They wouldn't allow them to her. And so her daily uh, routine of making sure there were no whiskers and that things were as she saw herself couldn't be continued. And so as you looked at her in the bed, she was thin and frail and had some whisker stubble. And when I looked at that in the bed and I was praying and out of my mouth came a he. She stumbled on a pronoun. I know Coco. I knew who she was, body and spirit. I knew who God prized her to be. But in that moment, in that sense, my eyes betrayed my heart. And I said, he. 
I don't know if you've ever stumbled over something like that before, even when you know better. Coco reached up to me out of the bed, and she put her arms around me, and she said, you know, Pastor, it's okay. You try. <laughs> it's asked of us that we try. So in the moment of her being ill and me not having the right words, we then had communion. We shared the bread, we shared the juice, and we knew that neither of us were empty because between us was Jesus. And in that moment, our hearts were full. Amen. So people of faith, let's just sit and reflect and let spirit who lives within us just speak to us silently for the next few moments. Please join me in a moment of silence. So, God, we thank you for filling our hearts this day and every day. Amen. I want to invite Robert Slepka to come forward. Give him a hand clap as he walks up here. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm here to talk about the Christmas baskets that we do every year. The Pride Charities and the church put that on. Um, it's something that we've done for over 20 years in this church. I've been part of that for about 18. Um, our goal this year is to do about 75 baskets. So what we're asking people to do is to come to the booth on the 1st and the 8th of the month and either pick up a basket or pick up a shopping list and to take that, bring that, those items back on the 1st or the 8th. We will go ahead and uh, put the baskets together on Saturday the 14th at 10 a.m. and we'll distribute the baskets the following Sunday uh, on at 12:30. All of that is going to be happening in the activities building. So I encourage you all to either sponsor a basket, get some a group of people together, sponsor several baskets. The list of the food is in the. Uh, bulletin today as well as online and there's also a Facebook page for the assembly and the distribution of that uh, so I in encourage you to do that uh, it's helping out members friends as well as neighbors of resurrection MCC I look forward to seeing you next Sunday and the following Sunday at the booth in the gathering place as the ushers come forward let us go to God in prayer heavenly and gracious provider we thank you for this day we thank you for all that you give us each and every day. Open up our hearts and our minds that we may give of our time, our talents, and especially our treasures. Help us to bless those as we have been blessed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 